0: Hello, everyone. In today's podcast episode, I sit down with my friend Ariel Edelman, Arielle holds a master's in mind and body medicine and is currently pursuing a PhD in mind-body medicine. She is a certified life coach and does incredible work with giving you an approach to what it is and what it takes to heal. She references many different articles and research papers that she's always looking through and finding out on for different little ideas on what we could take to take steps forward in our life towards healing and growth. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Check in with us either at word at rabbiparrots.com, rabbiparrots on Instagram, or just drop us a five star on Apple and uh, share the podcast with others, as well as let us know what you'd like to hear about in the upcoming year. I uh, look forward to a healing year and I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. This podcast is presented by Rabbi Parrots Mutchkin speaking to the millennial
1: generation.
0: Hello, welcome to the Rabbi Parrots podcast. I'm super happy to be sitting here with such a great friend, Ariel. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's great because the topic that's been on my mind, and I feel like it's been on a lot of people's minds, has been healing. Going from 2020, which was supposed to be about clarity, you know, vision, and going into 2021, which just feels totally unknown. I think the topics that can come up are, are varied, but maybe the first one in order to get to other topics is healing and what it means and the approach to it and how to grow in that capacity. And I thought who better than somebody who is a professional healer, as well as a student of healing, as well as a student of growth in many areas. So I'm so happy to have you on. Oh, it's
1: such a pleasure. And I'm excited because I don't know what's going to come out of this time together, but I'm always learning from you. And there's a healing that's happening. So thank
0: you. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, we, we've had some incredible experiences together. Um, this year, we had a beautiful experience where I got to officiate your wedding. And yeah. it was such a small wedding. It was just really small and intimate. But it was in a way as meaningful as any wedding experience I've ever had in my life. And I just uh, thought, what a good way to begin this process of healing and talk about, you know, the healing within. If a person's looking to get married and they find the love of their life and they find somebody to dream of a future together and build a beautiful home and do something special, that must bring such personal healing to your own life.
1: Well, um, you know, I I think the classes are, or you spoke with me and uh, Matan before our wedding and brought a whole new layer to what it means to get married. And it's not just the big party that we were thought we were going to have um and the photography and the hairdo it's um uh i forget the words that you use but when two people come together um it heals the world and having only i think it was my parents and my grandparents those were the only people that were there and you and miriam and your little baby there's there's apparently a healing in just that many people being there
0: well, you know, we we spoke about it like what would be better to have this great party in a couple of years or, you know, potentially without, you know, your grandparents being, you know, older in age and late into their 90s or doing something where maybe there's more people on Zoom, but in person you have this opportunity to be with your grandparents and I was like, look, that that part of your life of having the intergenerational, you know, um joy is part of what healing is. Healing is not just where I myself am doing well. If there's like a greater picture of healing, it's that where I come from, I'm bringing beauty to it, as well as to the world that I exist in, I'm bringing something wholesome to it. And yeah, that's the Jewish idea of marriage, of two people coming together. It's instead of two people in the world, and now there's fragmentation, and there's all these different people and opinions now there's two people doing one thing together. They're operating at a unified approach. So now there's just less of fragmentation in the world and more unity in the world. And the highest unity is marriage because it's constantly people opting in to be in a relationship. And when you have that constant opting in, you have really an opting into unity. And unity is essentially a form of healing and maybe the highest form of healing because healing is when everything's clicking, everything's working. Everything's in its, everything seems to fit in the place that it's supposed to be. And I think that's the highest level of healing. And maybe that's a little too lofty. So I thought maybe we should break it down a little more, but first on the wedding, like how, what has been the residual effect of having this smaller wedding and, and with the grandparents and parents, and then some people on zoom and what, what has been the unified result or the healing result? If we could say that,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, my grandparents were thrilled (laughs) at of the day, Um, and there was a short little video that um, actually Miriam had taken, or your wife, of um, Matan stomping on the glass, and I think it was maybe five seconds long, and I posted it on Facebook, and I heard from so many people, this was back in August, how much they needed to see that and how much they needed to just um, experience joy or experience a wedding in the middle of this chaos and um, uncertainty and sheltering and whatever is going along with COVID. So that was kind of unexpected for me. And then at home, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people, especially in our generation, that say, I don't need to get married. Like, what? what's the difference? You've already committed to each other. And I didn't expect to, that there's like a, there's a subtlety. There's a shift within um, the household when you, when you decide to stand under the chuppah and stomp on the glass and sign the ketubah. Um, There feels like a deeper level of, of something. I think it's more than commitment. Um, Yeah. Something deeper than commitment that happens when you have a rabbi (laughs) that marries you under the chuppah, even if it's only with four people.
0: Well, connected to that, I, I think that obviously just the idea that knowing that you've passed the threshold, that you know, that you're both holding onto a vision that you're both going to commit to and work to, especially you know using the word healing you also use the word healthy like a healthy relationship is where people are for real there's no back end there's almost like wow all the things that like are in my past are only there to remind me of how special this relationship is and what we're doing this for so there really is a, this incredible healing to like let's say anything you're embarrassed about in your past or anything you're unsure about to like well that's all there to remind me how special this is and what i could be doing here in the form of unification and beauty and commitment and more importantly intimacy and love and and building on that and you're not actually in in uh in in this state of will this work will this not work it's like totally committed in you're just will i grow will it get better or will it get deeper and what a what a great place to get to in life and i think that that's what really marriage and unity and healing and all we're talking about really brings to is you leave the level of will this work, and you go to the level of will I get deeper? Will I grow? Will I find deeper intimacy? Because if you don't, it, it could get stale. But if you keep finding deeper intimacy, you keep finding like, wow, this relationship has—it's like where where I was when I got married to where I'm going with this relationship is fantastic because it's just I'm peeling away layers and layers, and and we're growing. You know, getting married younger, younger means like when you can still build a family and have children. Those years allow you to, you become a new person. You just do. You're not the same person you were when you got married to when you're building a family, when you're building a home. Use the word household. You weren't using the household term before you got married. Like, That's a huge term. So that's really beautiful for you to share it that way. And yes, it's a form of healing. And today's world is going to require healing on many levels. Loss, uh, loss of relationships, loss of life loss of income. there's also going to be the healing of literally people having exercised well and haven't physically you know taken care of themselves enough. So I think healing is a is a is a key word to generally go deeper and understand a little more. and I'm interested in especially when it comes to like your work, uh, when you approach the concept of healing, like what comes to mind and and when you're trying to bring healing to people in, in their growth like how how you approach giving people this word, Of being healed and them like you know being excited by it, like what's your approach with that?
1: Yeah, um, so just for people who don't know, I'm a coach, um, professional coach, and I'm studying mind body medicine. And in the study of mind body medicine, there's so many different modalities to be able to
0: heal or what I would
1: also call bring alignment between the mind and body. And I think it goes beyond that into the spiritual realm. So bringing alignment between um, who we are as people and um, connecting with the earth and connecting with the cosmos. And when we can find alignment and um, peace within ourselves on, on a daily basis, that's healing. Um, I spent like a whole semester in a class like defining what is healing. Um, and I really think it's hard to, um, to not talk about spirituality in the same sentence as healing because healing is really just about it's not just about yourself; it's also about something greater, and being able to contribute to the world, and what Judaism would call, I think, tikkun olam. And I, I think that the study of mind-body medicine it has that built into it now as a science, which where Judaism has been doing that for five thousand years. Um. So when so my approach to healing, I mean, I don't have just one. I think there's a, a lot of different pathways. to to healing, to feeling like a whole person, to feeling connected to this planet and feeling connected to something bigger than ourselves. And that can be, um, through prayer, it can be through meditation, it can be through, um, martial arts, it can be through yoga, it can be through coaching. Um, so it's, I think it's like peeling back the layers and finding ways to, to figure out who you truly are and operate from, from that point. And I was just, Thinking recently, um, actually today, about this whole opportunity that COVID has presented for us to heal. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of rhetoric out there about, um, well, we shouldn't be in masks. The government's making us be in masks, and um, and whether that's true or not, I think there's an opportunity for self responsibility in this in this whole pandemic where we can find our own power and find our own ways to find joy and happiness and feel good about ourselves. And that process I would call is a healing process. And so we, we make the choice to either wallow in our misery or blame other people or think there's some conspiracy going on, or we can really find our own ways to find our own health and joy and happiness. And that, of course, is a big immune booster too. And then you protect yourself from any sort of virus as well. So that's a long-winded answer to your question of how I approach well, healing. <laughs> well, I think
0: I think the question was what is general healing and I think what you're saying is is that there's so many ways to approach healing that you should give confidence to people like well, let's find the right approach for you so that you can you can essentially get to where you need to get to. I you know, I think you you spoke about Judaism, you know, having a 5,000-year approach. I I tend to agree because Judaism's approach to healing is that you were actually born to heal yourself and the world. You actually came to the world to be a source of healing, both to your own body and to the world around you. Your soul is not looking for healing. It's looking to be a giver. It's looking to give something, nurture something in the world. And that aspect of the soul is often underutilized because... We lead with our bodies, how I feel in the moment, what I'm attracted to. So we need healing for our bodies because it's attracted to the wrong things. It's attracted to what uh, consumes and what makes it feel good. But the, the, the overarching, I think, approach to healing from a Jewish perspective is is changing your perspective of what healing is. And let's say it's like, okay, when a person has an injury, it seems like obvious they need healing for that injury. But the harder healing is when it's not obvious of what healing you need. You know, one of the reasons why, for example, I lost my sister this year to cancer, I need I need healing. And one of the things that I'm having a hard time with is that, you know, she needed healing, but if they could only have figured out exactly what it was that they could heal, they could heal her. But with cancer, it's hard to find exactly what it is that they need to heal. They're just, so they do all these other, uh, you know, treatments that are like, well, maybe that'll help a little. Maybe that'll help a little. And, and what sticks with me about her, her process was her best days were when she took an approach to healing of like, well, I'm alive, I can still give to others, I can still inspire others. And that brings to line maybe, maybe as exciting of any line to me in Judaism. And it comes from King Solomon, considered the wisest of all humans. And, and, his, and his idea was that this world isn't a jungle. And in a jungle is somewhere where it's very hard to bring healing. And it's very hard to to uh, see the world as a place of healing, but if you see the world as a garden and you see it as a as a as a place with a design and that there's a curation happening and you're seeing something that was built for a purpose, then that perspective alone lets you know that there's healing involved because things do come together. So I think the Jewish approach is, you know, in Song of Songs, his line is, "God says, I've come to my garden, my sister, my bride." essentially saying that i'm in a relationship both a blood relationship sister and 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 a choice relationship bride but the key to the line is i've come to my garden like this world is my garden it's a place where it's where i'm here for pleasure and and for where for where we are not here just to exist we're here to actually receive pleasure from the unity and the healing and the design and all of it is here to bring this idea and because of that, pleasure is so potent, a lot of times what we need healing from is that we've gone rogue with our pleasure seeking. So this is the this is the general approach in Judaism and perspective that I think really inspires me to talk about healing is that you're in a beautiful place. If you're in a horrible place, you don't always feel like you want to heal. But, but if you can start seeing the world as beautiful, you can really heal in any scenario.
1: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about how Every single event in our life is perfectly designed for our own growth. and I think maybe growth is intertwined with healing because if we're not growing um, as people or as souls, where are we going? Where, what are we moving to? how are we how are we becoming um, how are we becoming the best version of ourselves and being able to give back and to this planet because that is really why we're here, like you said, to give back. Um, and so I think if that small perspective shift, which is coming out in Solomon's quote, which is everything is designed perfectly for your own growth, then all of a sudden our hardships take on a completely different meaning. And I can't remember where I heard it, but it was something about like, whenever a child dies or, or even um, an adult dies, the impact is, is more widespread than we know, right? One life impacts all of us. And so as hard and difficult as it is, to go through a death and I'm so sorry that you had a loss this year. I'm sure there was something that, that you, that you've learned. There's probably some sort of healing that you've gone through in a, in a perfectly designed circumstance designed for you, right? She's your sister. Um,
0: well, i we've also gone through a growth, you know, we had a baby as well. So we, we really got to experience, you know, these, these, the, these elements of life of loss and, but, you know, hope of, of bringing beautiful life to the world, so it really does you know make you think about like the widespread angle here of existence and and there's pain, but there's also there's also joy and if you can see both elements, you know yes, you'll still feel the pain of loss, but you may you may not be broken by it, you may be inspired by it and or at least nurtured by like life is real and i'm and I'm in reality and I think this, when you said you we our generation maybe could use a wake-up call, I'm curious to what exactly that means because I think so as well. But I think the wake-up call is like being more in touch with reality. I think people are not so in touch with reality. They're, they're, they're in their devices in more ways than one. And and reality is, of course, you know, very detail-oriented, you know, like each and every moment specific to itself, except instead of generalizing life and existence being very specific about it and i think that that's being very very much in reality so yes i do think uh if we can use corona or covid as a as a wake up call for healing in other words being deeply in reality and taking one step in front of the other and having a general approach that there's the healing within but then there's the healing within in order to influence the world and see it as a place of healing and to get back to my own giving and healing to the world around me that's a whole different outlook in this world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't remember what the actual study is, but I was reading how um, when a healer works with a person, so, um, you know, like someone who's doing energy work or even a, even a doctor, you can actually, like, measure their frequency output, and it changes when giving care to someone else. Um, so our our own physiological... C- uh, composition changes when we are, when we're giving to other people when we're healing with other people. Um, and so I think that, um, a lot of that behind, behind that is intention. And so you brought up the devices, how, how we get out of reality. And I think if we, um, we can use devices and technology in an intentional way, it could bring healing. The problem is when we become mindless around, um, around what we're doing and what we're thinking as we're going through our day with our heads stuck into our iPhones or our computers. I think that's when we lose the opportunity for healing. And so I think mean, in like the new age world, you often hear this term of waking up. And so and I don't think it's as cheesy as You
0: mean You mean woke?
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. being woke. woke. Um, so we can like, just, you know, just wake up to our current state, to our current moment, you know, like, oh, I'm sitting here with parrots and it's, a little hot in my room and I'm enjoying this conversation, right? It's just becoming aware of where we are and how we feel and, and making a choice and in, in what our thoughts are and, um, setting intention, which then can change, like I said, our physiology and change how we approach other people. And when my physiology changes and I'm giving you care, giving you, um, the intention of healing, there's changes too. And you know, that's how we, that's how we affect change in this world.
0: I want to bring an anecdote from from Jewish sources over here. Yeah, you know, th- please. there's this there's and part of our journey to become who we are, there was the first major moment of uncertainty for Jews was when Jacob our forefather whose second name is Israel were called the children of Israel. You know, he had his a large family and one son was different than all the other children. One son was like, you know, life is about being in physical reality. And like we're talking about, essentially, and in the physical reality, finding where you can bring purpose and bring love and bring healing. And the other family members were like, uh, no, the best is to avoid other people's reality at all costs and just be whole onto yourself. Love yourself and 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 be a monk and, uh, and sit and meditate in nature and live in the fields and avoid the world and all of their problems and selfishness and greed. And that argument got pretty heated enough that they were like, if we don't get rid of this brother, he's going to take us all down. You know, like he thinks he's like on some holy journey. And so they sell their brother Joseph and he becomes a slave. And for some reason, the guy never has a bad day. The guy, he's a slave and he's in the, he's, he rises to be the master of the household and they're all jealous of him. They come up with a concocted story and he ends up in prison, a prison in Egypt, uh, you know, 4,000 years ago does not sound great. Uh, and in that prison, he just keeps walking around asking people, How are you? How are you this morning? Look in the Torah and it says, And Joseph woke up one morning and he asks the people sitting next to him, like, Why are your faces down? And and you're sitting there going, like, because I'm in prison in Egypt and it's a pit and there's no sunlight and it's disgusting. Nope. He's asking, Why are your faces down? And it turns out that they had these dreams that scared them, and he is able to interpret the dreams and come true, and it becomes part of this experience where he's bringing healing to people in such a dire uh, situation, and it later becomes part of his trajectory to get out of prison and not just get out, but become the viceroy of Egypt, and then save the world in a great famine and come up with a solution to the, to the famine. And you talk about, like, there are so many of us that are sitting here right now, and we have no idea that within us are solutions to incredible problems. Incredible problems, futuristic problems. Forget COVID. There's major issues in the world. And within you or somebody listening, there's a solution. There's an actual solution to it. And it'll never come out if you don't heal yourself, if you don't work on yourself to grow into a conduit for making your surroundings better. And if you're a Jewish person, you gotta look to your background as a call to being restless, of like, there is a solution within me to problems. And I hope it's not just to my own problems. I hope it's solution to major problems that are in the world. And the only way to find that as a Jew is to bring healing to your own Judaism. You can't bring healing to your own Judaism by saying like it's outdated. Then there's a part of you that's outdated. And that part of you is probably the part that needs healing. So there's this Major opportunity during COVID to look at your own background, wherever you're from, let alone, we're talking predominantly to a Jewish crowd here, of like the parts that aren't unified and harmonized in your own life of Judaism. And you're just like, that doesn't make sense. Those are babamises made up and they're outdated. You need healing in that area first, because they're over there is where a lot of where you're going to draw solutions from to the world around you. And if I can tie it back to your own wedding of like finding a deeper element in your relationship, being able to be somewhat glowing, you know, during COVID has a lot to do with, if you would have pushed off the wedding, you'd be now, could you imagine not being married now since August and like, and like still sitting around? Like, when are we going to be able to do this?
1: Wow. Not powerful, not empowering. But can you go back? Can you give an example of what you mean? And I, I'm asking this question because, as a coach, the the fundamental belief is everyone has the solution inside of them, and so the coach's job isn't to tell people what to do, but to guide them towards their own solution. So Judaism, from your from what you're saying, has already been doing that. But can you give an example of how, um, whatever it is that someone's thinking is Bubba Maysar is is not um, relevant to them? They need to heal in that area. Do you, has that?
0: Well, very often, my community and the people I meet. To expect of them to become religious Jews and, quote, you know, totally submerge themselves in the tradition is definitely not step one, and it may even not be step 1,000, you know? You come from a whole different universe, essentially, but nevertheless, it is within you. It's something that you don't have to travel too far back in your own life, and you'll have a grandparent, a great-grandparent, not much further than that. That was a totally card-carrying religious Jew whose Shabbat was central to their week, and kosher was central to their diet, and holidays were central to their mental stability. And that's just who they were for thousands of years. There was no reform, conservative, orthodox. There was just Jewish people and their way of life. And that's how they were able to sustain themselves during famines, during slavery, during oppression. And that was the majority of our story. And then we come to this modern world in the wake of tremendous challenge and Holocaust. We're talking merely 60, 70 years ago, the greatest atrocities facing our people was happening moment to moment. And not to make this about that, but we are dealing with this tremendous amount of tradition that just stopped. It just all of a sudden stopped. Like imagine you have healthy practices that are helping you survive in the most incredibly challenging environment. And then one day you're like, you know, I'm done. It's just, I'm done with that. I just want to sit back. And you haven't made a conscious choice to sit back because maybe you're not the one who stopped it. And maybe even if you did, it's because of traumas that your own past isn't even inspiring you. It's actually traumatizing you and you, and that's because it's never been yours. And what I'm talking about is the healing and the Judaism and the tradition. It's whatever you could make your own. And this is why we're talking general today, because it begins with believing that there is a part of this that is yours to develop and to make your own exact tradition. And I heard this beautiful idea that's been churning in my head recently. And that was that people's challenges, even the most traumatic ones, are the opportunity that whatever they then take on in their life they're actually taking it on. So let's say you're this like religious Jew uh, or or let's say just the secular savant happy with your life and something traumatic happens and then afterwards you go back to doing something good to yourself for yourself and to yourself. You're not going back to something. You're actually for the first time taking something on open-eyed like you are the one doing it. And maybe You're the first in a generation to really do something special, but this is what we mean, that there's a solution within you. There is something within you already that's part of your DNA and your tradition and your background that is waiting for you to find it, take ownership of it, and then actually go and do it and actually go and make the impact. And it used to require tremendous sacrifice because the world was just going and going, but now... It doesn't require sacrifice. It requires great intention.
1: Sounds like it's a call for ritual is what you're saying.
0: Mm. Well, I think the, the, the ritual conversation is like, how do you manifest this generalities into specific things? And I think there is definitely a deep conversation about taking these lofty concepts of wanting to heal and wanting to grow and then taking very practical steps, which is like a ritual so if you have to heal your leg, you have to generally believe that you're going to get back to it. Look at athletes and the psychology they put in to like becoming healthy again, to go back and do what they're gifted to do. And then there's the practical ritual which is wake up and stretch that leg out and get it going and and like that. So if you believe in your ability to give light, for example, you know, the the idea of like generally accepting that term Is now like, what ritual can I then make for that? Well, you know, Friday night candles is such a tremendous ritual of like manifesting an idea to something practical. Like I'm taking an idea of me being a light giver and I'm lighting a candle to remind me that that's me. That's my metaphor. You know, we just had the Hanukkah holiday. That's where we all take in on it for eight days. But yeah, the idea of taking the generality and slowly making it personal begins with this perspective of, like we said, seeing the world as a garden being able to meet somebody else and say, why are you gloomy? And realizing that your own, let's say, not being in a great mood, you don't have to be in a great mood to ask somebody why they're not in a great mood because you're like, wait, I'm not in a great mood to identify with somebody else's pain. So now it's not really just I'm not in a great mood. It's that I'm like, wait, maybe I can share something that I wish I was living with myself and together we could live with it together. And there's no question that's the type of harmony and healing that we're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You're you're reminding me. You know, I coach kids on weight management, and of course, weight is only the doorway into talking about other things that they need to heal in their lives as children. And I would say, like a good seventy to eighty percent of them, when we're working on goals throughout the week of what's going to feel good. They all come to the conclusion that they want to do something for somebody else, and that will make them feel good. And so, um, you know, there are plenty of studies too that show. When you do something for someone else, your, your, um, you know, like I said before, your whole physiology changes the way that your brain is working changes and it brings healing to yourself to help others heal. And so, um, it's built into our DNA as human beings and somehow Judy's figured that out so long ago.
0: That's beautiful. I, I, I love hearing that, um, and work with children like Joseph in the beginning of our story is this child and his brothers don't get along with him because he's talking a big game. About the perspective of the world, you know, being in the world and being able to bring healing to it. But he's not really an adult living in the world. So he can't really do anything about it. He only feels it. And yet then when he goes into the world and he finally gets to do it and work with others and remind others, wow, that's where it blossoms. And maybe it's uh, an overweight child that, you know, it has an obvious issue that they want to deal with and that they're, they're, they're obviously concerned with it. They have a self-realization that they're, that they're slowing themselves down and they have to contend with all these beneath-the-surface issues. Then they're obviously sitting at a coach trying to deal with it. And they come to the conclusion that they, ha- they have a gift that they need to work with others and they want to give. And that's such a big part of it. And uh, I like that very much because I think a, a lot of overeating happens when people are alone. And there's no one around, so it's like they're not shamed by anyone else because they wouldn't sit and press, as they say in Yiddish, in front of other people, you know. And so, 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 a lot of that is loneliness. And then when you surround yourself with others and you're doing good things, automatically, uh, you know, I know automatically for me, I'm healthier when I'm busy being a rabbi because I'm able to. I'm just working the whole time. I don't have time to like, uh, you know, sit and 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 work in the kitchen, my magic, you know? Uh, but yet here's this year of COVID and I have a lot of time to be home. And, and so I make a lot more food for myself. So I have to really be on top of my game. Otherwise I will, you know, lose control. And um, and so I really like that analogy with the children of them being able to see that. And, and when they see that, how it brings healing to themselves. Yes, so we,
1: you know, our human bodies are really just um, these, Uh, portals into something deeper that needs attention. And so I don't think you're the only one who talks about, uh, you know, making extra food (laughs) during COVID. Um, We all like, you know, sit back and pay attention and and ask ourselves like, what are we feeding? Are we feeding our bodies or what are are we trying to fill up? Um, You know, asking ourselves, Judaism loves questions. So do I as a coach Um, and ask ourselves a question, what, what am I feeding right now? um, that can help in any moment, I think for, for healing. What you know, how am I going to feel full today? How am I going to feel full in this moment? So often it goes back to helping others.
0: So let's, let's finish off with one question for each other. We'll ask each other a question. Okay. So I want to begin by asking you what has come to mind, if anything, or maybe you haven't done it yet of like, That you would that you've been going to to give people during this time as a coach, what has been like the go to tool that has been helpful to people to um to to find some sort of traction in their life during this time?
1: Uh, Wow, that's a good question. I have to think about that for a moment. Um, as a coach um, for people during this time, um. I, you know, I think coaching is at this unique moment, um, that actually I can see a lot of correlation, you know, is if I call and talk to my rabbi and ask questions where you're carving out time to specifically dig deep into yourself and get curious and not have to figure out what you want in your entire life or figure out what you want in your entire month, but to figure out what's important to you now. And it brings a level of presence. And so just the very nature of going to a coach. To, bring to And a good coach is going to ask you questions of, well, what's important to you right now? What do you want to get out of this conversation? You can reflect back on what they're perceiving in that person in the other moment. That there's healing in, in someone else being able to witness you and acknowledge you. And it's in a very tiny, subtle moment. Um, so I think people leave. um feeling seen and heard, but also with a small set of goals that they can easily accomplish in one week, not over a super long period of time. So, um, breaking it down into smaller little chunks is much more manageable than having to take everything on at once. Um, so, and then of course, just the typical things, meditation and exercise is like the most free, um, drug that we have out there, it is a panacea for so many things. Panacea for so many things. So, um, exercise and coaching are my two are my two go tos right now. Yeah, and I have to ask you a question, which is how would Judaism um, actually? Ask, what is Judaism's approach to healing um, during a moment like a pandemic? This isn't the first time Jews have had to deal with huge. Um, global issues or had to go, we're we're not underground right now, but it feels like we're underground. So what does Judaism say about how to behave and operate within this time?
0: Well, you know, the Jewish mission is to bring light to the world. And, that, and that's an extroverted mission of sorts is to think about, you know, what the world needs and how you can bring healing and harmony to it. It's sort of where the world sees the universe as a perfect um, symbiotic natural existence, and us humans ruined it. (laughs) You know, Judaism doesn't see it that way. Judaism sees if you left the world to just grow and be without us, it would actually have no steering direction and would turn into a jungle. But when we're here and we live our role of being these high-level human beings, we create a direction for nature and it becomes a harmonious garden. And that's really why... God has to come to the garden. He's coming to a place of where everything works in unison and our job is is, is is to be that partner there. So during a time when there's a pandemic or a more inward time, we have to believe that our journey inward and our healing of ourselves and our growth, our internal growth, and our convictions of morality and ethical behavior and all the things that we say we believe in, but we put on the side for pleasure and for success or greed, we have to become shining lights to our own self. We have to be inspired by our own day-to-day growth in these areas and be conscious humans who totally, totally connect to our own values. And even though we may not be in the world practicing them, we are developing them day-to-day. And that itself is bringing a rudder and a direction, a north star to the harmony of the world and to the universe. And that is why this world is a garden. So the work, we have this, opp- it's almost like, I don't want to say we have an opportunity because there is pain, but it we can't miss this opportunity to see the inward journey as valuable. And even if you don't make the headway that you think you made, and even if you're wasting time, you may say, and you're not doing enough hard work, if you could just anchor yourself To this idea that within you is a solution to some of the problems you're going to face moving forward, and the way to harness that is through developing yourself, you will have left this experience deeper, smarter, growth-filled, and you won't forget it. You will never forget this experience, and you'll reach back like, I won't take this for granted. I won't take a kind act or a moment to give kindness for granted any longer because I know what it means to feel stifled. Us in California feel so lost we're stuck at home now for closer closing in on 9 9 months almost 10 months it's a tremendous amount of time to feel locked up and what if you're not locked up but you're but you're with yourself and the person you're totally with is going to be a solution to a great problem and a great moment in the world where we will start all seeing the world as a garden we have to take that approach and one by one we could take that approach and that's what we're here for. That's what you're coaching for. That's what I'm rabbiing for. And that's what we're podcasting for. To to keep spreading as much as we can about this approach. And collectively, we will we will make a dent in the cynicism and in the pain of the world. That's that's the Jewish approach.
1: Amen. I like it. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, where can we uh follow some of your journey?
1: Uh well. I have a website. <laughs> there's not much on it other than my academic papers that I've written about healing um, and mostly around weight management. It's dot Um I love
0: it. I love it. Well, keep, keep up the good work. Um, lots of blessing to you and Matan and your beautiful marriage and unity that you bring to the world. The world thanks you for bringing unity to us. And, uh, the world
1: thanks you for making me aware of it. So thank you.
0: Lovely. So, uh, i appreciate you being on with us today on the rabbi parrots podcast thank you all for tuning in uh thank you to our producer Miriam and uh please drop us a rating or uh, share a link or ask a question at word at rabbiparrots.com all the best <laughs>
1: Ale